Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. Me, Carl Langdon and Will Schofield with you tonight through until 8 o'clock. We've got some great guests coming your way. Craig Williams to join us later this hour. The richest race in the world was won by him and the horse that he was aboard Giga Kick on the weekend. Uh, we've also seen Madison De Rosario reign supreme in the women's world of sports. She will join us out of 7 o'clock tonight. Cam Bancroft made a century for WA today. He will join us today. Michael D won the Caulfield Cup. He's been suspended for the ride subsequently. He will join us tonight, as will Corey Webster from our Perth Wildcats. So much sport has taken place over the weekend, Will Schofield, as we spent a day out there at Ascot having some fun. We did, Carl. Good to be with you, mate. Look, I've never seen your prep sheet as full as it is today. There's been sport in every imaginable uh, area that you could ever think of. I mean... You're not going to go through them all now, surely, Carl, because we've only got two hours. Mate. I know, but, but but what I could quickly do is do this, right? So, so I wrote at the top uh, AFL, and we had some delisted players today. Ross Lyon, firming as St Kilda coach, right? And then we've got some some matches happening right now when it comes to the World Cup. Zimbabwe are taking on, uh, at the moment, uh, Ireland. their opposition Ireland. Of course, you have uh, England taking on Pakistan in what is a warm-up game with no one there. Why, why is there no crowds at these games, right? So there's a game on, which is a sanctioned ICC event, right? But it's a part of the tournament. Yeah. No one's there. That's Family it. and friends. I'm not sure why no one's there. But uh, Australia played today uh, against – who they play India. India. Yeah. Do you reckon anyone would go and watch that? Mate, mate If it, they opened the gates to people, do you think anyone would go and watch that? Sold out the India-Pakistan contest this Saturday night, 100,000 people at the MCG in 10 minutes. Yeah. In 10 minutes. If people are saying, oh, well, it's because it's a practice match. People would watch a practice match. It's being played at the Gabba up there in Queensland. I just don't get this it. This is a World Cup event, right? Yeah. So yeah. just imagine in soccer. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The stars come to your land. Yep. And, right? and you've got the Soccer World Cup. Brazil play England in a in a warm-up match. Do you think they'd open the gates to anyone to go and watch? I reckon they would. Well, they should have. I mean, I, I was driven home, right, by a bloke after we had our event out at the races on Saturday. Yes. By a bloke. A, he's, a, he's a Pakistani. He's, he's driving the cab. Right, mate. He was so dirty that he missed out on getting tickets to go and watch his beloved team taken on India, which would have been huge over there in Melbourne. Yes, you would have thought that he could have had an opportunity to go along and watch them in a warm-up match at mm. least, and and taking on England. I mean, that wouldn't be bad, would it? To allow him to get up close and personal to you know the players that he wanted to get along and see. If anyone knows the reason why there's no crowds at these games, one double three eight eighty two. How do you not have, though, in, in what you would call, and I mean, we're calling them warm-up matches, but they're like friendlies in soccer. Yeah. In it's, friendlies it's in a, soccer. It's a World Cup. It is the... 
pinnacle of the sport, is it not? Yeah, I, I don't get it. But one double three out of the two, uh, if you can shed some further light on that. Uh, so you go from the T20 World Cup. Minwoo Lee uh, makes it uh, back-to-back tournaments where he finishes third in Europe. So that's a great effort. The NBL's on tonight. Illawarra New Zealand Breakers update that shortly. Of course, the Wildcats went down to Melbourne. Poor shooting cost them, didn't it? Yeah, three-point range was difficult and disappointing. Um, they went at 18% throughout the night. They had a chance to draw. Didn't quite get that play done up correctly. So we'll have a chance to chat to Corey Webster a little bit later on. And, of course, on the back of that, Jesse Wagstaff uh, has been charged. Offered two weeks at the moment. Could be reduced to one if he pleads guilty. Otherwise, <laughs> he's got to go up in front of a one-man tribunal Got that to make that decision by 6 o'clock on Wednesday. I'll tell you what. This looks like the MRP from the AFL. They caught the the GRP in the NBL, the game review panel, or the match review panel from the AFL has just put tools down in the AFL season and they've just shuffled their way over to the NBL because this ruling against Jesse Wagstaff, two weeks down to one with an early plea, it's it's the death of any sort of contact in basketball. Now, I know it's not mainly a contact sport, but it's a physical sport. And what he did, which was lay a screen for his teammate, Happens every week in the NBL, every every game in the NBA, every, anytime you see basketball. And this ruling will kill it forever, not because of the action, but because of what happened, the result, right? So a player with, with no uh, awareness whatsoever, no communication from his teammates, runs into Jesse Wagstaff, and suddenly that's Jesse Wagstaff's fault. I can't believe it, Carl. Well, we'll see whether they uh, challenge it. Uh, 88 to 59 is the score with not long to go. The breakers in control over the Hawks, so we'll keep you up to date as that continues to unfold. And our girls in the cricket going along pretty nicely, the Scorchers. Hobart Hurricanes, 9 for 109. Currently the Perth Scorchers in the ninth over are 2 for 59 in reply. A couple of early calls. Uh, let's go to Steve in Belmont. G'day, Steve. G'day, Carl. How you going, Carl? G'day, Will. G'day, yeah. Steve. Yeah, I just want to uh, bring you guys let you know that I went to the uh, West Perth Ferris and Best on Saturday night, Carl. It was absolutely a great night. The guy uh, who did the compare with the guy who, who does the station on Saturday night, 6PR on Saturday night, he did a great job. And the winners were, were Mitch uh, Pearson and, and also and Shane Nelson. It was an absolute great night, Carl. Terrific. Tony McManus is the man who you're talking about. So who actually uh, took the award off? Because I saw that Hayden Schleuth, of course, down at South Fremantle got the job done. Scoey? Yeah. No, it was um, yeah, uh, Mitch, Mitch Pearce and uh, Shane Nelson there, Carl. Got the draw, eh? Well, that's terrific. And uh, off the back of a premiership season. Well, Shane Nelson won it in 2013 when West Perth won the grand final last time. So a couple of best and fairest in a premiership year. You don't get any better than that. Yeah, and what a career Hayden Schleuth had. He won on Friday night to South Fremantle, had their fairest and best. Well, and, and, of course, had, he retired. He, he retired? Yeah, he retired, yep. Really? Yep. He's been a very good player for a long time. Yeah, wonderful probably, player. Probably not, you know, probably unfortunate not to get a chance properly at AFL level. No, exactly. Let's go to Jerry in Westminster. G'day, Jez. Yeah, how you going, Carl and Scoey? Um, my comment will be very quick. I hope St Kilda do appoint Ross Lyon to be senior coach. That'll be one team that all the other teams in the competition won't have to worry about. Oh. The game passed <laughs> Ross Lyon 10 years ago. And uh, how'd you feel if you're the uh, St Kilda members that remember what happened when he left St Kilda in the first place? That's all I've got to say. All well, right. Well, Jerry, I mean, that's fair enough. But, I mean, if they are thinking back and remembering well, he did take them to a, a couple of grand finals. They lost one after a draw. So... 
one more point on that day and you've lost a premiership coach at St Kilda. One little bounce on it, that day and they Stephen were winning Mild. that game, hey? Now, Ross Lyon leaves to greener pastures, clearly, at Fremantle Dockers. I don't know if it would be the worst thing in the world. So Oh, well, yeah, I just don't know it would be the worst thing in the world if Ross Lyon went and coached St Kilda again. Because how, how do we know the game's past him? Do, 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 does defence not win premierships anymore? Because that's what he is. He's a defensive coach. Oh, there's no doubt that defence wins premierships. Um, uh, and, and has St Kilda been able to, to defend in the last I, I 10 thought, years? I thought Sydney had a pretty good defence up until grand final day. Yeah, correct. <laughs> that yeah. was amazing well, how I, they just tore them apart. I think you could have worse people at the helm than Ross Lyon. I don't know if people agree with me. One double three eight eighty two. It's sounding like, with rumours fighting around, he's met with the St Kilda yeah, hierarchy. Look, the only point that I would make is that a lot of the recycled coaches that have gone from one club to another haven't had a great feast of it, to be perfectly honest. Even some of the great coaches, like Kevin Sheedy, I mean, he went up to GWS and he went at 7%. You know, Mick, Mick Malthouse went back to Carlton and, had, and won about 30%. Michael Voss did pretty well this year at Carlton. Yeah, but that's only one year in. And let's yeah. say, give him a little bit more time to see what happens. I mean, Brett Ratton's gone back for the second time and here he is um, getting his marching orders for a second time. So, you know, you, you look at Paul Ruse. I mean, Paul Ruse went down to Melbourne and, you know, the, the winning percentage wasn't great. Could say he laid, laid the foundations for a premiership, though. Could say that he did. Uh, Rodney Eade ended up at the Gold Coast after Guy McKenna. Didn't actually improve uh, the, the stakes there. Uh-huh. So, you know, when you look at all the recycled coaches, you look at the premiership coaches in more recent times, they're essentially um, all uh, guys that have been in the system for only a short amount of time. In fact, most of them have all won a premiership in their first five years as a coach. So there's guys like Adam Uze, Robert Harvey. Yep. Uh, Lenny Hayes. Yep. Those names are all getting thrown about. Would you Would you like a club legend like a Robert Harvey or a Lenny Hayes to go back to the club where they're from? Well, I think when you look at, uh, say, you know, Luke Beveridge comes into the coaching role, he, he gets himself a premiership at the Western Bulldogs and they hadn't won one for ages, I mean, years. Talking about Luke Beveridge, he's rumoured to be in the mix well, for the St Kilda. He used to play at St Kilda. Right? Reportedly was approached. Now, it's not going to happen, I wouldn't Absolutely have thought. Absolutely not. He, he's been approached. So whether that actually uh, transpires, which I don't think it will. uh, I mean, look, all of the talk around is that – and this is the one thing. Ross Lyon has left an impression on those that he coached at St Kilda previously because they rate him big time. Nick Revolt, Brendan Goddard, Lee Montagna, all in the media, they all pump him up big time. Because they won. Yeah, like ask any player, best coaches you play on. It's mm. not the ones that take you to losing. It's it's guys that take you to the opportunity to win a premiership, and that's what Ross Lyon does, not did. That's what he does. He did it at Frio as well. Understand that he's not going to uh, potentially not going to leave your club for you know twenty years and do that, but. He's been a successful coach at AFL level. You could do worse than Ross Lyon, in my opinion. Get involved. Uh, four for one thirty-three Zimbabwe right now. Raza is sixty-five. He's going along beautifully off thirty-six, and we'll keep you up to date with that against Ireland. We'll get more of your calls in after this. That update. Thanks to Ko. Watch the T Twenty Cricket World Cup on Ko Sports back soon. Sports day for Kia, the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Welcome back to the program. One double three eight eighty two is our number twenty after six. Uh, just updating sport for Ko. Don't uh, risk missing all your team's matches. T Twenty World Cup on Ko Sports uh, at the moment. Perth Scorchers women two four seventy five in the eleventh over. Hobart Hurricanes made nine for one oh nine off their twenty overs earlier tonight. Uh, Pakistan six sorry eight for one sixty off nineteen. Duckworth Lewis Method has come into play here. So England need one hundred and thirty two runs from ninety one balls. They 
They are currently one for 29 uh, off 3.5 overs. WA Today posted five for 290. Cameron Bancroft's going to join us after 7 o'clock. He made 100 of those. Sam Whitewin made 82. Wonderful opening partnership of 146. And in the game that uh, we are watching unfold, Ireland won the toss. They elected to bowl. Zimbabwe currently are five for 138 as we head to Donny out in Spearwood. G'day, Don. Good evening, boys. How are we going? Hello, Good. Don. Good, mate. How are you? I'm going well. I just finished work, mate. So I'm going home to some more stuff. Hey, uh, uh, look, I wish uh, sports people keep uh, politics at uh, the game. What I'm referring to, I reckon Stacey Marinkovic will be pulling the hair out to what's going on with uh, uh, Nepal. Now, what the, what the Australian team is called, uh, Carl? In, uh, the what? Diamonds. That's Diamonds. Hello? I bet you they got so many rings and earrings and diamonds. Where they come from? Out of the ground. What they used? Earth moving equipment. What they used? Diesel and all that. Now, this rubbish, what's going on? With Gina giving them $15 million and they're jumping up and down. Carl and Will, let me tell you, I'd like to put a question to them. Do they ride the bicycles going to the training or they walk? Or are they driving a wooden car? How the cars are made? Out of steel? Where's they come from? Out of iron ore? I mean, third income. If we're these idiots, you know what? Some of these girls are so uneducated, they've got no idea. They just open a big gob. And I, I wish Gina pulls his $15 million out and let him pay own ways around the planet and see how they go. It's a joke. Absolutely. Crap. All right. Thank you, uh, Donnie, for your thoughts. Uh, always forthright. I actually agree with Don on this one, Carl. Uh, I think, um, yeah, yeah, not society, but uh, a little bit society. We're getting to the stage where someone's offended or uh, someone has something wrong with something and, and then everything gets pulled. You, you can't tick every box. You, you can't get every single thing right that you do. You've got to show... Um, an ability to try, you know, to be trying to do that, but you can't get everything else right. So I'm not sure exactly what the issue is here with Hancock prospecting, um, Carl. I don't know if you can enlighten me a little bit, but but you, you can't just cry foul at any little thing that happens in life and, well, I'm against that, I stand against that, we need inclusiveness. And we yeah. Need, well, like, well, seriously. Well, like, well, at the end of the day, look, it, it comes against uh, Hancock Prospecting, who were a, a uh, and are a commercial partner of uh, our Diamonds. Now, they appeared in uniforms without the new sponsor's logo during their game in New Zealand on the weekend. Now, they have sided with a squad member, uh, Danelle Wellham, who is an Aboriginal lady, and they have raised concerns about the company's record on Indigenous issues. That's purely what it's about. It, it's got nothing to do with the diamonds or or, uh, or iron ore or anything of that nature other than the business's track record in dealing with Indigenous issues. So that's what it's got to do with. They've taken the side of their teammate. They're entitled to do that. It is, poli- it is politics. There's no doubt about that. Um, but you know, there's the same sorts of scenarios that could, and this is what I want to throw out here, that could unfold in a lot of other sports well, was, because yeah, there's, a, say, there's yeah. a lot that could be tarred with the very same brush. This is going to 
this is going to be a can of worms here. Yeah, and Absolutely. and 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 look, mining companies, BHP have an association with the West Coast Eagles. Um, we've yep. got Woodside who have an association with the Freo Dockers, and I could go on and on and on about associations in sport with mining companies here in this state in Western Australia, which is, um, of course, one of the richest um, mining sectors in the world. Let's go to uh, Tony, who's in Stirling. G'day, Tony. You there, Tony? Yeah, yeah, I'm here, mate. Yeah, far away, buddy. Talking about Ross Lyon and St Kilda. Um, I've been listening over the weekend, Damien Barrett's comments about Ross Lyon. You know, at the end of the day, why doesn't he keep his opinions to himself? Let St Kilda do what they have to do. Out of all the coaches that are available, Ross Lyon, if he wants that job, he's got it. You know, you know, I don't understand. You know, people don't like the way he coaches or he's a bit tough on the players. You've got a player there that coach, was coached under him. Was he that bad of a coach or not? You need someone that's got a bit of balls and, and tells it the way it is to these guys these days. You know, it's football. It's not bloody netball. You know, what's happened to all the hard coaches? You know, you scream at these young guys these days. They go, they go cry, oh, uh, mental health and this and that and that. You know, I just don't understand. You know, football... It used to be a strong sport. Now it's a, it's it's weak. You know, I just don't understand these days. Yeah, I mean, it's an inter- interesting one, Tony. Um, I, I do think that, you know, players and generations coming into the game now are different to generations gone past. And just like generations before that, it was different back then as well. It hasn't always been this, you know, macho man thing or whatever that is. Um, I think Ross Lyon's a strong coach in terms of how he deals with his players and and – um, holds his players accountable. So that will work for some players. It also won't work for some as well. Like It's almost guaranteed that that will clash probably with more than it did back in 2010, 2011 with St Kilda and his time at Freo um, after that. It'll probably clash with more given the players coming into the game. Now, I think, you know, just in my experience, uh, adversity uh, is becoming more difficult to deal with, with with some of these kids. He's he's always been renowned as a finishing coach rather than a development coach, and that's why he never got, uh, I don't think, the opportunity to extend and and see what he could do at Fremantle in in that way. Uh, and whether St Kilda are at a stage now where you think they're finishing, I mean, they're eight and three in the first half of this year, and then they fell away badly. To Kate in Claremont. G'day, Kate. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, I, I just wanted to talk about the netball, but just quickly on the St Kilda Bizzo, Um, I guess my main question is, what suddenly changed? If just a couple of months ago, Ratton was good enough to extend his contract for two years, what suddenly changed that he was so bad that they just had to boot him without having another coach to go to? Jeff Walsh's review. Money. I mean, how how is that team going to be paid this year? 
Well, they've lost more than $7 million in two COVID-impacted years. Uh, and, uh, look, the Hancocks had agreed to a $15 million sponsorship deal over four years, and that is going to be something that now they're going to have to convince their players that uh, this is what they need for the game to survive. I mean, there's a big chance that if they can't get money in some way, shape or form, that there is no national competition purely on the back of them being broke. Oh, mate, you, you watch. Uh, it's a great call by Kate on both senses. I think it's a strange decision dismissal by Ratton. I mean, that's we've spoken about that before. I think Kate's right. And, and on this, it, it'll be very quickly about money talking here, Carl. Uh, you, exactly what you just said. The, the competition suddenly is in a, in a position to continue with the Diamond Squad because of the sponsorship, and that gets pulled. Mm. Uh, and they say, okay, well, we can't pay you half your money. Uh, being a player and you being a player, I think you're quickly pretty come around to maybe some new sponsorship opportunities if you're suddenly getting pa- paid half or, or nothing. I think you pretty quickly become to, I don't know, come around to Hancock pros- prospecting pretty quickly. All right, we're going to clear another commitment on the other side. Come back. More of your calls, Wonderful 3, 882. Craig Williams not too far away from joining us, the champion jockey as well. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Sports update proudly brought to you by New Seed. Uh, Perth uh, Scorchers women are home. They need four runs off 36 balls. And uh, right now Zimbabwe uh, putting together a pretty good score. They are six for 157 with a few balls to go. As we head to the mouse, uh, he wants to talk about the diamonds, I think. Is that right? How are you? Oh, the great Carl and Will. How are you? Yes. I've been travelling all around the place the last few weeks, so it's great to hear your great show again. But listen, these netball girls, they should actually be, it's not the admin, by the way, this time, it's actually the players. So they should actually be grateful, but someone like a Gina Reinhart would actually put her hand in the pocket and try and help them, like she has for all the other different sports. These netball girls are obviously just overrated, ungrateful, elite bimbos. Because to be able to just knock back money that cause trouble like that, I would like to see Gina Reinhart on the back of this take her $15 million now. When I do these shows around Australia and when we go to the other radio stations I do, the biggest complaint is from families around WA and everywhere else, South Australia, Victoria, is not being able to afford the money for junior fees, especially netball, because it costs so much. I would like to see that $15 million actually go to all the families so all these young netballers can actually afford to be able to play the netball. If the girls at the top don't want them, give it to all the girls down the bottom. That's number one. Now, St Kilda, you mentioned Jeff Bolton before. I'm not a big fan of his. But it's on the back of his report that he did with Carlton Teague got the vote. Then he then he did the same thing with uh, the other two North Melbourne coaches, as far as I'm aware, Shaw and um, Noble. And all of a sudden, guess what? He gets appointed at St Kilda and Ratton gets the vote. I feel so sorry for Brett Ratton because only a year and a half ago uh, in COVID, they actually made the finals with an ordinary list. And he should have been given another chance. And, you, think, you know, I was just with Kuda Fertis last week in Northern Territory. And all the Carlton players all say that if Brett Ratner had stayed there one or two more years instead of putting Nick Moldhouse in there, Carlton could have been a premiership side uh, under him. So no worried about that. Now, the cricket. Um, I was at the Australia-England game a couple of weeks ago, and there was I just could not believe the anti-Australian cricket sentiment amongst all the crowd, especially on the back of Justin Lang, and especially David Warner. A lot of people do not want him to be captain. Um, so I hope he doesn't be captain. But I heard the whispers today the ACB are going to rescind and actually allow him to be captain of the team. So how about that? Isn't that amazing? All right. We spoke about this the other day, Will. Yeah, we spoke about you and I, Carl, looking at um, Warner, and he doesn't come across as a captain. Now, that's that's um, face value from you and I. We don't know. I, I don't know if you know him. I certainly don't. But I see him in the media. I see him you know, speaking, interacting with his teammates. He doesn't come across as a captain to me. So 
it's an interesting uh, idea that he's going to, I guess, serve his time and then be available for captaincy, which didn't look like he was going to get Well, the, well the question that I would, and, and what I said to you the other day, is that he's 35 going on 36. It's not like he's young. He's more at the end of his game. He's a little bit like Finch. He's not too far away from walking out the gate. I mean, you can probably play that short-form cricket until you're probably 40 these days. I mean, Clive Lloyd played, and as long as you're still making impact and having runs, I mean, to Finch's uh, credit, I mean, he's been a bloke under the pump, and he made 79 today, so he was um, the best of all of the Aussie batsmen today. So, um, but just back to the diamonds. Yeah, I like that suggestion. Yeah, just yeah, back to not. that though. You, you consider the Reinhardt Hancock sponsorship of the Australian Olympic Committee, which transcends so many sports, Volleyball Australia, Rowing Australia, Synchronised Swimming Australia and Swimming Western Australia, all of whom would be watching this episode very, very keenly right now. Well, absolutely. I, I just, I think it's a can of worms getting opened by it and, you know, the Diamonds girls. Now, yeah, given that it is on the back of Indigenous relations and they do have an Indigenous teammate that has raised issues, that's what's speculated. Mm. I can stand behind that too. I think I think standing up for your teammates and what you believe in is strong. But also in the end of it, sport is an entertainment business and it's about getting paid money. It's a business, mm. right? You entertain people and you get paid money to do it as athletes and that happens through sponsors. So you can't just cross off everyone you don't like and – have issues with, you need to have someone backing your team. So if it's not Reinhardt, who is it? Mm. Well, there's um, also the other spectre here. I mean, look, um, investing back into, um, you know, the the recognition programs, investing back into relationships uh, that should and need to exist in those sorts of areas. So they're going to be so, so important, uh, particularly in the parts of the world that these businesses operate. Uh, looks like that Zimbabwe, six for 166. There's only a couple of eggs to be bowled there, so the end of the last over. We are going to have to clear a commitment. On the other side, we're going to be heading to Victoria. Victoria and Craig Williams, who is a champion jockey. Uh, there's so much more to go when it comes to the spring racing carnival, but uh, he was able to get the job done in the world's richest turf race on the weekend, the Everest. So looking forward to having a yak to him next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia EV6 and Sportage, cars of the year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day and a big race day that uh, Will Schofield and I enjoyed uh, along with many of our other premiership players uh, which spans from 1992, 94, 2006, 2018 and that was the premiership in which uh, Will played in. So we're the bookends, mate. I played in 92. You played in 2018 at West Coast and it was a big day at the races, couple, wasn't it? A couple of absolute legends, you and I, Carl. We're lucky to be there, probably you and I, but we, we were there. That is a fact. We played in a team, mate, that got <laughs> the job done. I'll tell you what, a bloke who was part of a team on the weekend that got got the win in the big race Australia's in fact the world's richest race it's worth 15 million dollars 6 million dollars to the winner and the man that was aboard the winner giga kick is Craig Williams and he joins us here on sports day Craig well done mate congratulations and uh gee it was a big run yeah he's a he's a pretty special horse so um it's nice to be on his back and you know he just can do those things and What's quite remarkable about him, he's only ever having his... He's, a, he's actually not even three. Uh, he, his birth date, he's still two, but he's a three-year-old taking on these season horses at his fifth start, first time at 1,200 metres, first time going right-handed and taking on the world's best sprinters, and he actually beat him quite quite convincingly in the end. Five out of five, you're a long way back. What were you thinking when, uh, you know, you, you turned the corner? Because you, you had plenty of cover and you'd relaxed. Uh, what was going through your mind? I did that job well then. That's all right. um, 
the whole the whole strategy with um, that I had going into as a jockey and with his trainer Clayton Douglas was it was all about making sure that the horse you know got the first half right and we were really where he was going to be that we were really confident. We thought we would be about midfield and the original part was to follow Hugh Bowman's horse who then lost him running the scratch the morning of the race. Then another horse came in, Kemitari, and I thought, well, that's fine. It's just further back off us, the way that they ride it. Usually it's further back. And and I thought we'd have uh, maybe the other three-year-olds from Melbourne behind us, um, the two Godolphin horses behind us, and and also the horse of Hawks that usually stepped slow and drew wide, so they didn't have too many options. And Anyway, um, as it turned out, I, I was wrong again. And um, But I walked the track again throughout um, uh, race six. I had off, and my, Rodney Quinn helped me out as a valet, so... I went out, walked the track, and Clayton was so happy with the horse. He just said, "This horse is thriving up here. We can trust him." And um, and then the horse basically did the rest. There was a line in the track that I wanted. There was two lines I wanted, and I was able to achieve one of them and helpful with a good barrier draw. And and then uh, we got the first half right. And when he uh, and he launched after he got up to what they call the rise, so about the 350 meter mark from the winning post, he really surged and he accelerated and. And then um, it wasn't until the 50 that we knew he had it, and then I started having that cheeky grin on my face. And I think, the, as my uncle said, he said that smile says it all. And you know, to, a horse to be able to have those two accelerations against that caliber of horse is just, you know, under race conditions, is just an amazing feeling for a jockey. Yeah, it was good to watch, Craig. What, what's what's the mindset for you as a jockey coming into a big race like that? Is it is it different because it's a big race because there's a lot on the line, or is it just same old, same old? Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's excitement. We, we love having crowds. We're same as you guys on the football field. We're entertainers. We're, we're you know half the size of you guys, but probably <laughs> a third, one of your legs. But um, <laughs> we, we, we are invariably we are entertainers. So that's why you know we have night meetings. We we race on weekends, and we're there to entertain. And our our partner is a five hundred kilo thoroughbred racehorse that goes an average of sixty kilometres, and hopefully you know it goes faster than sixty, but and the rest don't go 60. So, but he, you know, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a, a, an animal that's, you know, really, really refinely bred, well trained, well educated, amazingly looked after. And they are the the, the athletes, the you know, it's the celebrities. We're, our job is just to negotiate their path and and hopefully find the nurture the best out of them. You know, encourage them to go as as fast and as best as they can go. And you know, he doesn't need much encouragement. That's for sure. He was he was just awesome. And, and and again, it's just it just gives you a great feeling. You know, to be you know, to be driving and riding a horse like him is, is is very special. It's a privilege to be a jockey that's good enough to you know not good not good enough, not fair, but to have a ride in that race um, because it's twelve. It's now the richest turf race in the world. And um, and and the way that's been promoted by Racing New South Wales. Now we're lucky, you know, Melbourne Cup's always a Melbourne Cup, but this is the history, and and now it's world targeted. But this race has been going now the sixth year, and it's amazing. Like you know, to get to get to pack the stands in Sydney is amazing at any sporting venue. They got over forty six thousand, so uh, it's great. And if they weren't there for the races, they were there for Peking Duck later on, which I found out was not food; it was actually a band. So it was great. Yeah. Hey, Craig, you've ridden for some of the biggest uh, owners in the world and some of the best stables in our country. And when you think about Clayton Douglas, he's a young trainer. He's only twenty-seven. Giga Kicks undefeated. He's a former jock himself. I think you're dabbling in a bit of training these days. But what does it do for a young bloke like him? When um, when we talked about 
I spoke to him. He's up here all week with a horse, and he, he actually just sent me a video. I got a nine second video of him in the in the truck, and uh, he's got the trophy, which is worth fifty six thousand. But if he's got the owner's trophy, it's worth three four hundred and something thousand. I said, I think you get a few gallons of petrol out of that stuff if you want to sell it off. But he's uh, he's a rem- remarkable young man, and in, in regards to how many hoping he's licensed to a small amount of time, his story's amazing. He he started out as an unprofessional jockey, so he started out as a picnic rider, not in the professionals, as a picnic rider. He did really well there. Then he got his licence for a jumping jockey, so they put jumps in front of him. Great horse and won our, our Grand National twice, and and he's also really accomplished as a flat rider. Then he turned to, to training. He hasn't been training for really long, but the way that he... Now, every good horse is not a given. They are developed and nurtured and and brought along. And look what he's done with his horse. Like, he has just done such an amazing job. He, You know, I have that much confidence in him, and that gives me the easy decision why we follow this horse around, because I believe in the horse and I believe in Clayton. He He's just... He is the right person to make this horse the best horse he can possibly be, and he is exciting of, of his ability. Craig, are we a chance to see you in Perth at all this uh, racing... Season? Well, I did get excited when you brought up a beautiful marsupial name called the Quokka. That was pretty exciting. <laughs> so that's your that's your guys' take on the Everest. It's in, but it's in I think it's in March next year. Right. But I, I've actually been I targeted a couple of horses from Melbourne to come across. Anyway, one of them won one. Did it win two? No, it ran. What did it run? It ran at Sandown and just got beaten the two rack the other day. So it's now not coming. So sorry. The other one I targeted ran second in Sydney the other day. I don't think they're coming over. And I had one more, and they said it's not coming. So at this stage, I haven't um, found the railway horse to to come over. Um, I um, I think Giga Kick, if he does, he'll have one more run, maybe at maybe at Flemington. But that's all up to up to Clayton to decide whichever way he wants to go. But um, if I can ever find, I, I love Perth. You guys have even um, you've enhanced your your prize money as well. We can travel again, and um, you know I've had good success in Perth. So. My manager and I are always looking forward to that, but you know it is it is really hard because there's so many options here. Um, I don't I don't want those those horses that think you can have an afterthought to come to Perth to be successful. You don't get in the playing ground because it's so competitive over there. You need to have a horse that's targeted for your big races in Perth. What does the road ahead look for you? Um, you know, of course, we've got the Melbourne Cup and we've got Derby Day down there in Victoria. But uh, what does it look like in the next couple of weeks as we lead up to the Melbourne Cup? Yeah, busy. Um, we've got um, breakfast with the best tomorrow morning, so Mooney Valley and Barrier Draws. Uh, Manic, uh, so we've got the Geelong Cup on Wednesday. We've got Macram for the two, um, JD and Will Hayes. Friday night is the Manicado Group 1 Stakes, and I'm riding Balanipatina, who I worked this morning. He's worked really, really well. And then on Saturdays, the Cox Plate, Mr Brightside. And I've also got... The um, Berkeley Square in the Vars, and all you know, if, if Dan O'Sullivan, his trainer, decides to go to the Derby after that, then he's going to take a lot of beating. But he'd be really hard to beat on Saturday, you know, stepping up to 2,000 metres. And then on Sunday, I'm actually going to Sale for the Sale Cup. So we fly down there, and there's a race down there that qualifies us for a $500,000 race on Oaks Day, which I won the. The, the first running. I've won two of them, actually. It's been a really lucky race for me, and we usually find the horse from that meeting at sale. So it's um, it's not so much the, the race at sale, but it's it, you need to qualify for that race at Flemington. I think I've, my manager's really sorted me out a great horse, which 
The owner's been amazing. 10% of the horse's prize money goes to my wife and our project in saving lives in Ukraine. So, um, so I'm really looking forward, and it means a lot to us. So we'll have the we'll have the um, the support of the Ukrainian people on our side when we go to sale, and then hopefully onto Oaks Day at Flemington. Then I'm riding for Clayton Douglas, uh, her her missions uh, for OTI in the Bendigo Cup on the Wednesday, and I think I might have another ride for uh, Gavin Bedgood, and then um, and then prepare for Derby Day into Melbourne Cup Day on Tuesday. Uh, onto Oaks Day on the Thursday, and then obviously now it's now called Champion Stakes Day, where we've got um, three championship races: twelve hundred metres, sixteen hundred metres, and two thousand. And um, TAB has bought all the rights for that. I think it's called TAB um, Champions Day. So it's very lucrative, and um, and it's a really exciting time of the year for for people in the thoroughbred racing industry in Victoria. Absolutely, uh, it is uh, the grand final of racing in this country. Now, out of all of what you've just rolled through, do you do you have a favourite out of all of this, mate, or do they all just sort of like blend into one? Yeah, well, it was, it was sad this morning because um, I know I only had another five hours sleep, so I had to get up and ride work early. And it was only four degrees. Like you love Melbourne, don't you? Get back from Sydney, and at least <laughs> it wasn't raining. And you go to work, and it was four degrees. It was like I said to Clayton, said, "Don't be in a rush to come home. It's bloody freezing anyway." <laughs> uh, he's coming home anyway, and but um, and uh, and and it's good. But it's that time of year, it's so exciting. The horses are. You know they've dropped all the coat. They they look like they 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 look like they're dressed to impress, and they're, they're quality animals. And uh, my manager's done really well to get me some really nice rides going into a lot of the big races. I've got Hugh Yamal for Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott in the Melbourne Cup. So looks like I've got a couple of trips out to Werribee. Werribee's good if you don't have to ride. They've got a great bakery there. So after <laughs> they give you your like your mandatory two and a half minute shower and you must use soap and clean your nails and you've got all the rules and regulations through quarantine then and they've got a dirty side and a clean side. And I thought it just sounds really bizarre, but anyway. Um, it's, my wife says, geez, you, you come home from track work smelling lovely. So <laughs> there's, like 14, there's like 14 bottles of, um, of soap and conditioner and shampoo in the in the quarantine facilities and you come out and anyway, smell like roses. So, and then you've got a bakery on the way home. So it's, it is exciting to get down to Werribee for that, but don't go on, on a Sunday because all you're going to do is ride a horse because the bakery closes on a Sunday. So it's not the idea to ride work on a Sunday. <laughs> that one hey mate, it's a pleasure to have you uh, on our radio station. Now uh, we've got to get to a break, man. That's how commercial radio works, uh, but uh, love your work. Keep it up and good luck for the rest of uh, what is going to be a really exciting time ahead. Take care. Thanks, guys. I hope to get over to Perth for your carnival. Yep, so do I. We love to see you here. The Pinnacles, just around the corner too, railway stakes, and there is a number of other $1.5 million races to be won. And let's hope that we do see Craig Williams racing here in our market. We need to clear a commitment. On the other side, come back and tell you what's coming up after the 7 o'clock news next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Now, straight out of the news, we're going to cross to the East Coast and have a chat to Madison D. Rosario. We're going to be joined by Cam Bancroft, who made a century today for WA in the cricket. Michael D., the Caulfield Cup-winning jockey, has been suspended. We'll find out the latest in his world. Corey Webster will join us on the back of their loss on the weekend to Melbourne United. And Trent Cooper, whose team didn't kick a goal in the AFLW down there at the Frio Oval. So looking forward to having a yak to Trent about that. We'll keep you up to date as the sport continues to unfold 
unfold tonight. There's a fair bit going on, so we'll keep you up to date with that throughout the course of the second hour as well here on Sports Day. Right now, though, it's time for the 7 o'clock news. We're proudly brought to you by New Seed, delivering you top-performing canola genetics and superior customer service. We'll be straight back after the news. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Fantastic to have this young lady off the top of the hour for expert car service booked to your local Repco authorised service centre. They bring us this program and Madison Di Rosario was uh, up uh, on the telly bright and early after her wonderful achievement, winning the top individual honour at the Australian Women's Sports Awards. She is the Athlete of the Year. Maddie, welcome to Sports Day. How are you going? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you beat a crack field, Ash Barty, you've got Emma McKeon, you've got Jess Fox, you've got Sam Kerr, you've got uh, Tia Claire Toomey. Um, you must be really wrapped. That is the most unbelievable lineup of athletes. I think I was, honestly, it was such a privilege to even be nominated alongside those women and to kind of, yeah, have my name called in the night was definitely a surprise. I think you see your name listed next to Emma's or Jess's and you, just, you don't really see that coming. So, yeah, no, absolutely massive. That was, yeah, a great way to end the night. Maddie, I know you don't compete for awards, but what's the feeling when something like that comes across the desk when you find out that you have won such a prestigious award? It's almost shocking, to be honest. I think it takes a little sec to process. And, and I think, you know, as, as an athlete, you do it almost selfishly, right? Like you go out there and you, you train in your race because you love it and it brings you something. And then there's moments like that where it kind of all comes together about the, the impact that you're actually able to have while you're out there. And, and you, know, you, you know, you know when you're out there that, yes, there are people watching it back home, but to kind of see it played out like that and to be in a room full of people who are impacted by that, and is, is, it's surreal, to be honest. It's, it's definitely, um, yeah, it's almost a, it's a humbling experience, that's for sure. Are you training and racing at the moment? What, what's the schedule look like for you? Yeah, I have I have one more race this year um, in in New York in a few weeks. So that's the New York City Marathon. So I've yes, we're kind of keeping everything steady until then, and then I'll I'll take a, a little bit of November off, which will be nice, and then we'll be back into it for 2023. So the New York City Marathon back to back is that uh, what we're going to see here? Oh, we're going to give it a go. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. There's, again, incredible lineup um, going to be you know on those roads in in, in New York and. Yeah, no, we'll see how it goes. It's a tough race, and you kind of really need to bring everything to that start line to, to bring that one home, and, and hopefully I can I can do it, but um, but we'll see how it goes. It would be absolutely awesome if you're able to do it again. I mean, you are the only Australian ever uh, to actually win this race of any kind, so it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, close. So um, we have had a, a, another wheelchair racer win New York. He's much better than me. He's been inducted into their Hall of Fame and everything. But um, definitely the first woman, so that it's exciting. It, it's unreal, and so I think kind of be able to carve out that space for women in sport on an international level is unreal, and and it's not something we see much in the marathon field. We don't have, you know, a, a massive presence, and so to kind of get to to, to be that is it's exciting. Given you're competing across, you know, fifteen hundred where you've medaled, and then a marathon, it, the training must be. Uh, different to say the least i mean how do you how do you get yourself in a mindset to compete at such a short distance like a 1500 and then a marathon you must be the training must be very different as well as the mindset yeah the it, it is it's a whole different game and and my heart's definitely in the marathon that's my absolute favorite um place to race but I, in terms of training we we focus on the marathon throughout the year we kind of build that fitness we we create that base that really kind of robust sort of base and then as we get closer to 
you know, track season or anything like that, the, the taper begins to focus on the track and get that speed back in the arms. And, and that's kind of how we've managed to periodize it to, to be able to do all of it. But, um, yeah, the the head definitely is in a different place for, for those kinds of races. Well, talking about the head, what are you thinking while you, you're going around in a marathon? Uh, what what goes through your head other than you're a lunatic? Um, what what actually happens <laughs> in your head in a marathon? Oh, you know what? Sometimes it's easy if you're if you're in a big pack and there's a few you know women around you and you kind of just you're focusing on what they're doing and just staying you know as, as present and and as you know in the mix as possible. And that they're they're the easy races and. The tricky ones are when you find yourself on your own, and and hopefully that on your own is out in front, but but more often it's probably it's probably not. And I think keeping your head in the right space to get through that is one of the most challenging things that that I have I've ever had to do. And you kind of you focus on the most minute details, anything to kind of keep it turning over and hurting as little as possible. But um, but yeah, that's definitely a challenge. On the uh, back of winning those uh, couple of fantastic gold medals that you won in the 1500 metres and the marathons uh, there at the Birmingham Games, after you compete in New York, uh, what does the road ahead look like? What's uh, the next goals for Madison Di Rosario? Um, 2023 is going to be a big marathon year again. We will have a World Championships, um, which are actually going to be in Paris. Um, so we'll kind of get to check out what that's kind of going to look like going into 2024, but definitely a big marathon focus again. And then as, as 2024 gets a bit closer, that'll definitely be the big focus. So we'll switch back up to, to a big track and road focus. Same as for Tokyo. Women are doing big things in sport. It's amazing how women's sport has evolved. We're seeing the WBBL. We saw a Women's World Cup prior to COVID where we had a record crowd at the MCG. Uh, you know, that was just unbelievable. Uh, you look at uh, AFLW now that didn't exist uh, only a couple of years ago. And uh, you then take that into your world where women have always got an opportunity to compete. It's incredible now what the girls are doing these days across uh, pretty much every sporting code. I'm obsessed watching it all unfold. It's unreal. And and it's creating the most incredible humans as well. And I think that's one of the most exciting things is, is it's almost like we're using sport as like the conduit to, to kind of shape what this space is going to look like. And, and it's so exciting knowing that young girls are going to grow up and this is just the norm. And you're going to see that and, and not think I can be the next, you know, Jess Fox and McKeon, but it's going to be, I can be anything and everything that I want to be. And I'm not going to have to fight to take up space or, or, or justify, you know, my presence and the space that I take up. And, and I think we're going to, uh, this next generation of, of girls is going to grow up in a very different world. And it, it's so exciting to see. And it's so exciting that sport is playing such a huge part in that. As someone who's at the forefront of, of, of that topic, effectively, Maddie, do you see it changing people's views, people's, uh, I don't know, societal views around women in sport? I do, I do. Sport is such a powerful tool and it provides such an enormous platform and we've always known that, but to see that kind of lens almost turn towards you know, women as a big focus and, and there is such a focus through sport to, to move the women's movement forward and, and because of the impact that it has outside of sport and it takes you know, individuals and, and to get to be in, in that room last night with so many of those women who were just fighting tirelessly to make that happen is surreal, to be honest. And and they're, they're doing it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a completely different world, I think, for the next generation. Well, you're the reigning WA Sports Star of the Year. You've now uh, trumped all the women in Australia. You've done a magnificent <laughs> job, Maddie. Keep it going and good luck over there in New York. And uh, we'll have a chat to you down the track. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.
Good on you. Madison De Rosario. She's an absolute star. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service, you can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. We need to clear a commitment because we're staying on the East Coast with a bloke by the name of Cam Bancroft. Just made a lazy hundred today. He'll talk to us next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Fantastic to have a chat to Madison De Rosario off the top of the hour and fantastic now to have a chat to this bloke, a century maker for WA today against Victoria, J1 of the Sheffield Shield Clash. And Cam Bancroft is the man that we're talking about and he joins us here on Sports Day. Cam, welcome, mate. Well done. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Carl. Um, yeah, it was a yeah good day today and, um, yeah, nice to set the team up um, for, you know, what's going to be a pretty um, attritional uh, four days, I think. <laughs> Let's uh, go back to uh, the start and the toss. And uh, in the end, uh, the toss was won by WA, elected to bat. So you blokes probably would have had a little bit of a say in that, I'm sure, but you took advantage of it because you and Sam Whiteman piled on 146 before Sammy was dismissed for 82. Yeah, yeah, we um, yeah we put on a, a nice partnership um, to start with. Obviously, pretty um, batting friendly um, conditions, and, and probably yeah, a surface that's going to just probably deteriorate and get worse as the the days go on. So um, yeah, it was nice to get first crack at it, and um, yeah, it was nice to, to put a nice partnership on that um, you know we're able to, to build a, a decent score for today, which is good. What are the conditions like, Cam? Is, is there's flooding all over Victoria? Is the ground holding holding up okay? Yeah, it was actually really funny. We weren't 100 percent sure what to expect. Um, we 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 thought they might try and prepare something dry, but um, as you said, with all the rain, it was kind of hard to believe, but um, they managed to do so. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'll um, it'll be a kind of pitch where, you know, it'll take a bit of um, reverse swing and um, it'll it'll spin, hopefully, a little bit more as the day goes on. So it'll be something very different to what we're um, used to at the Wacker, but um, it'll be a, a nice challenge. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see how it goes. There's been a lot of draws at the junction over, um, over the years, um, which has been the history. Now, this is a bit of a broader question, and I know you're not going to like me asking it, but you go out right. on 100 exactly, and that happens a lot with batters. What, 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 what's, what happens to the mindset when you make that 100? Is it a, is it a relaxing? Because you're not the first person to have done it, and you won't be the last. Yeah, oh, it just happens, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess you, you try and be as make good decisions and be decisive. And, um, yeah, sometimes I guess uh, it doesn't doesn't go your way. Um, yeah, it'd be lovely to be still batting um, <laughs> still batting <laughs> now tonight. But, um, yeah, look, if you, someone gave me 100 at the start of the day, I probably would have taken it. But, um, yeah, certainly wish I did that a little bit better. Um, hopefully um, do it in the second innings. Every day of the week, mate. A couple of uh, your <laughs> West Australian teammates uh, who are playing against India and Jai Richardson and Ashton Agar having duck for dinner, mate, uh, after we lost four wickets yep. uh, for the last four balls. I reckon it pretty was, uh, pretty much was. And Teague Wiley, mate, he makes 49, yep. so one short of 52. But he's, no, he's a good-looking, uh, talented young player, mate. Yeah, he's coming along um, quite quite nicely. Um, yeah, obviously he got his first 100 last week and... Um, yeah, I think as a group, we, we know how, um, you know, talented he is. And, um, you know, it was probably just a, a matter of time before he was going to settle in, I guess, and feel, um, you know, I guess feel like he can he can make runs at, at this level. So, yeah, today, thought he played really well. Um, you know, I, I played the spin really nicely, swept the ball well, and, um, you know, played the seam as well too. So, um, yeah, look, he started his 
um, you know, his career very well. Um, and he's, yeah, coming along nicely. What's the uh, schedule look like after this Victorian game, Cam? Are you over east? Are you coming back home? I think we uh, come back home after this game and we, um, well, firstly, we have a one-dayer on, on Saturday um, and then um, I think we play Queensland, I believe, next week. But um, I couldn't really, um, I don't really know too much what's going on in the schedule. I don't even know what day of the week it is. Yes. But, uh, the cricket season starts, so uh, it's kind of how it goes. Uh, it's a little bit like that at the moment, isn't it? I mean, mate, yeah. uh, there's a lot of t- these games starting on a Monday and uh, yeah. then you roll through to Thursday and then some blokes are playing club cricket on the weekend. There's just so much going on in Australia at the moment. The World Cup about to get underway as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very exciting. I uh, saw so Australia played um, India India tonight and, and obviously there's all the, the qualifying um, games that are going on as well. So, yeah, cricket's just starting to um, take over Australia, which is really exciting, um, you know, for, for the lovers of cricket. So, um, yeah, and obviously then there's the Sheffield Shield and the WBBL too. So, yeah, plenty of cricket for everyone to get around. Yeah, of course, our girls in action tonight uh, in the WBBL. And a uh, couple of upsets today, mate, with Scotland rolling the West Indies and Namibia yeah. beating Sri Lanka. You would never have thought in your cricketing life, if I had said to you that about five years ago, that that would ever happen. I picked them. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was quite funny. Corey... Um, Rockacholi, he um, he 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 thought um, yeah, Na- Nambia, Nambia won uh, yesterday. So he, he wasn't quite 100% sure how to how to pronounce it, but um, yeah, good to see some of those countries, I guess, um, you know, get get some wins and um, get exposure, um, which is good. Absolutely, thank you very much for joining us briefly uh, after play today, mate. Well done. Cheers, thanks, guys. Sports day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage, Cars of the Year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day and we are reflecting back to the weekend and the Caulfield Cup and a bit of an upset, I reckon, because the horse on the morning of the race uh, wasn't even in the event and Maximal gets scratched and Durston gets its opportunity and the pilot is Michael D and he joins us here on Sports Day. Michael, welcome, mate. How are you going? Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, yeah, good, thank you. Thanks uh, for having me on. Uh, is that pretty much the way that it unfolded on the morning of uh, the Caulfield Cup? Um, yeah, well, I think there was a little bit of uh, chit-chat with um, potential runners being scratched, and so um, without it being confirmed until the morning of, um, yeah, I was, I was quietly confident we were always going to get a run. And what was your mindset coming into the race, Michael? Were you... We, uh, is it is it a different mindset, a big race like the Caulfield Cup? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, obviously, uh, the, the, you feel the pressure a little bit more. Um, there's just a lot of excitement in the air. And um, obviously, us as jockeys, we, we go out into the mounting yard and listen to the national anthem. And then um, yeah, it's all, it's back into the jockey's room and you just... Put, pretty much tuck the colours in and, and away we go. So they, you do feel the pressure a little bit, but, um, yeah, thankfully that on Saturday we was able to all fall into into place for me. Now, you got the job done. I'm just reading a little bit of news here, mate. Um, did you get suspended uh, after that particular race, mate? So are you going to have to sit out for the, for the next few meetings, are you? Yeah, I am. Yeah, unfortunately I, I did get suspended. Um um, so yeah, got to got to sit out for um, Cox Plate Day. 
Now, that's where you get uh, the, 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 the highs and the lows of the caper, but uh, you would know uh, how dangerous your... Uh, your business is. Uh, you, you've, you've seen firsthand uh, some of your colleagues uh, come to grief and uh, it's really tough, the penalties, aren't they? So I know that you're always going out there to try and do your best and, and not uh, cause harm to you know your fellow riders and the animals that you're piloting, mate. But, uh, gee, it must be difficult when you're going at, at that sort of speed in big races when you know, you're all out there to win. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There's... Uh... There's a very fine line between uh, going one step too far or, or just taking the safe option. And uh, when there's a Caulfield Cup on the line and uh, you you slightly tighten a runner, there's uh, certainly consequences. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, you've got to pay those consequences and sit out for the, uh, the next week and a half. But, um, yeah, as I said, there's a, there's a fine line and often people watching on the sidelines um, you don't don't realise um, how much of a fine line it can be. Michael, I'm from the footy world, mate. I, I don't know what a tribunal effectively looks on on your end. What's the process like after a race when potentially there there is an incident? Is it a is it a tribunal of sorts, or you're sitting in a room? What, what's it actually look like from a jockey's point of view? Yeah, um, we, yeah, we sit in the jockey's room with um, you say myself and the fellow rider or riders of any particular incident and then um, we sit there in front of the stewards and and uh, watch the footage um, that's presented to us and um, yeah, usually there's three or four different angles to look at it and uh, yeah you just you just uh, put forward a case or or in some occasions you may may not have a case but um, yeah that's that's pretty much all it is. What did you make of uh, Durston's chances going into the race, mate? Uh, obviously, it was a, a horse uh, that, uh, when I have a look back in the last few rides, that uh, I don't know that you've actually piloted. Can you just take us through uh, how you got the opportunity? Yeah, well, um, the opportunity has probably come about because he did have a light weight and uh, I can ride ride light quite comfortably. So, um, yeah, that's how the opportunity come about and um yeah the process getting there um no i hadn't hadn't piloted the horse in any race before but i did gallop him on tuesday morning at flemington so i was able to get a feel of him then what's the focus for you then on the back of the suspension michael um do you do you go and look to get fitter do you do research what, what do you do while you're suspended um, probably let down a little bit. Um, uh, well, obviously had, had a nice night on Saturday night and celebrated <laughs> probably a little too hard. But <laughs> good on um, you. But with yeah, the next week uh, I was at I was at track work this morning and jump outs at Cranbourne, and then tomorrow I've got trials. So um, it's still pretty busy without actually going to the race meetings. Right, so you're still allowed to do all that work behind the scenes where you work hard and get up early and uh, get on the back of the horses that you want to ride in races but you won't be able to. Mate, can I just ask you again, how how heavy are you when you're just walking around then, mate, given that you had to ride at uh, 51.5 on the weekend? Uh, usually I walk around about 53 kilos. So Yeah, right. Um, you're naturally pretty light and 
it didn't take much to get down to 51.5 on Saturday. Just drink nothing for a whole day instead of those couple of <laughs> litres of water, mate. So you would have been a little bit yeah, dehydrated, so I can understand why you would have had to fill up afterwards. Look, on the other side then, so you're out for a couple of the main metropolitan meetings. What's, um, what's the focus then on the comeback? What does it look like on the other side of your suspension now? Um, yeah, well, I'd just be trying to secure rides um, for Cup Week. Um, I think my first meeting back would be the Mooney Valley night meeting uh, the day before Derby Day. So, yeah, it'll be just about trying to secure some some good mounts for uh, for Cup Week. And obviously it's uh, very, very competitive uh, at this time of the year too, mate. And we've got a few international Raiders coming back and uh, the world has opened up again, which is fantastic. And one thing that uh, has always been, I think, uh, a, a real credit to the racing industry is that it was able to keep operating throughout uh, COVID. And that was something that uh, I'm sure would have helped benefit uh, you and, and those that have been in and amongst that caper. It was quite amazing that you've been able to get through and we've come out the other side and to see... Uh, the crowds that turned out. I mean, up at the Everest, there was 46,000 people, made, and there was a fair few. And what was difficult conditions down there at uh, at Caulfield on the weekend too? Yeah, it's amazing having the crowds back. It it just provides a, a complete different atmosphere um, to a race day. Uh, like, you know, thinking back when we were in COVID and we are riding in the Caulfield Cups and Melbourne Cups and that, and there was no one on course, so... Yeah, just it's certainly a different aspect when the uh, crowds can get back on course. So, yeah, it's awesome at the moment. Uh, last one before I let you go. Uh, got anything for the Melbourne Cup at this point? Yeah, I'm, I've, I'm booked for Luna Flair in the Cup. So, um, yeah, I was, I, was pro, I was booked for her prior to Saturday's Caulfield Cup, but I'm very, I'm still very happy with uh, that decision. She's a mare who I've had. A lot of luck on, and uh, she's going very well in her track work. And um, she won the Bart Cummings a couple of weeks ago, and was able to secure her spot in the race. So I, I'm, I'm, yeah, very happy to be riding here. Well, the good part is you're locked in, ready and raring to go, which is uh, something that can't be said for a few of the others, mate. Thank you very much for sharing a few minutes with us tonight. Take care, and again, congratulations. Take care. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. Good on you. Michael D, the winner aboard Durston, who was the late inclusion, the emergency. Unbelievable. It's interesting on the crowds that the, the jockeys can hear the crowds. I find that just with the roar of the horses used, I wouldn't think it would make a difference, but clearly it does. Oh, yeah. I mean, some horses get spooked by large crowds yeah. and then others just absolutely love it. Like a horse like Winx just pricked its ears and Huey Bowman just let her go and she won all of those races in a row. And it's a little bit like Giga Kick that we had a chat to Craig Williams in our first hour about. It was just amazing oh, on the weekend. I, I thought it was going to be a little bit like Carl Langdon and get him out in the footy field and just get the crowd going. Oh, Schofield. Here's the white line man sitting opposite me as well, just <laughs> quietly. Thanks to Kia, Australia's most one of the Kia EV six and Kia Sportage cars of the year. Corey Webster from our Perth Wildcats is going to join us next. It wasn't a great weekend for the Wildcats. We'll find out why after this. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage cars of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. And we are joined by Corey Webster on the back of, unfortunately, a loss to Melbourne United here at home. And uh, Corey, not the way that you wanted the weekend to pan out. Welcome, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. What did you make of uh, the game on the weekend? Um, yeah, it was a tough loss. Um, 
obviously every loss hurts, but uh, you know it's not the end of the world. Um, it happens in sports, so um, we've reviewed the game as a team. Um, you know, looked at the things we need to learn from that one moving forward, and ready for a big one this coming weekend. How quickly do you park that, Corey? What goes on as a player? Is it one day? Is it straight after the game? Where do you sit? Uh, I think I think it's different for every player, but for myself, I mean. Um, I had an okay game. I didn't shoot the ball that well from three, not how I wanted to shoot the ball. So that kind of sits on the mind for a little bit. But, um, you know, we're right back into training today after having the weekend off. So you kind of shift the focus pretty quickly um, and get back into things today and then, you know, start to prepare for the next game. So um, you try not to sit on it for too long, but obviously there's things that you need to learn from from the game. And, um, you know, that's all part part of it moving forward. You weren't alone in the three-point range, Corey. Six from 33 on the night, 18%. Is it, is it something that you can work as shooters as a group? You know, you can spend a bit more time on um, outside the arc shots uh, during the week? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we've got a lot of shooters on this team, and um, sometimes that's how basketball goes. Um, you know, even even some of the best shooters in the world have nights like that um, all around the world. So, you know, you try and keep that mindset and, uh, moving forward and thinking the next one's going to drop. But obviously, you know, we'll get in the, the gym this week and work on that. And um, I don't think any of our guys are going to lack confidence from that. We're, we're all shooters. We've all had our ups and downs. Um, it's normal with it. So, you know, we'll just keep building. Mate, that was the difference, really. I mean, you know, you go down by three points. One of those drops, mate, and uh, the game keeps on rolling, doesn't it? So you know how cutthroat it is. It's, uh, it's just quite incredible. Look, um, you take on the Tassie Jack Jumpers this Saturday over there in Tasmania. And, look, you got off to a, a flying start. You were three from three and scoring well. Um, what do you think uh, the, the strengths of the Tassie Jack Jumpers are? Have you, have you had a look at them yet, or do you do that later on in the week? Uh, we'll do that later in the week, but you know, we're every all of us have got a pretty good awareness of all of the teams, um, especially those who have been around the league for a while. And um, but Tasmania, you know, they're a team who likes to slow the game down. Um, you know, they they play hard um, throughout the whole forty minutes, crashing O boards, playing hard defense. Um, you know, some might say they're not the most talented team, but they know who they are and they get it. They get it done. Um, what they want to do with the game, so. You know, we'll just be aware of that. Um, in the end, you know, we try not to focus on them too much. We just try and play Perth Wildcats basketball and play to the best of our abilities. But obviously got to have an awareness of how they want to play. Um, but we'll look at that um, in a couple of days' time when it gets closer to the weekend. Sorry to harp on the loss, Corey. I know as a player you like to move on very quickly. But I just wanted to ask about the last play and, and in general, not specifically about the play you guys drew up on the weekend. But do you spend a lot of time as a group on on set plays to, to win games or in this case, you know, draw a game like, like you did on the weekend? Because it, it didn't seem like you got it exactly right um, in, in the last play against Melbourne. Yeah, we didn't quite get it um, how we wanted. Um, Melbourne did a good job of shutting off, you know, what we wanted to get. But, um, you know, those are things that you work on for sure. Um, you have, you know, you have a couple plays in the back of the mind for those situations. Um and we just didn't quite execute it um, at that time. So, you know, if there's if another one comes up during the season, then I'm sure, you know, we want to execute a bit of their net. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely something that you work on. Yeah, Skipper and spiritual leader's been off it a couple of weeks. Uh, if he pleads guilty, it'll be down to one week. Uh, if he wants to challenge it, he's got up until, I think, 3 o'clock Western Standard Time on Wednesday. But, uh, gee, mate, he's been really good for you, hasn't he? And uh, he, he doesn't shy away from it uh, when it comes to the physical stakes either. Oh, 
absolutely not. You know, everyone knows how Wagstaff plays, uh, very physical. Um, you know, foundation, uh, you know, he's played like that for years. Everyone knows what he does, but nothing dirty. Um, he stays within the, you know, the limits of the game. He's just a physical player and that's, that's how he's got the job done. Um, you know, personally, I didn't see anything wrong with the screen and I know a lot of, a lot of people around the league and a lot of fans and even Melbourne fans, you know, they didn't see anything wrong with it, but in the end, it's not our decision. Um, Jesse and the club will work on, you know, what they want to do moving forward with challenging that or um, just leaving it or whatever they want to do. But really unfortunate, you know, he's our captain. He's one of our leaders um, and we need, you know, we need everyone for every game. So it's going to be a big loss. Yeah, well, uh, you've been out of a game and Sean Thomas has been out of a game and Jess has been out of a game. But uh, unfortunately, on the weekend was the first time that you've actually succumbed to the opposition. Jack Jumpers have won their last three in a row, which we just spoke about briefly prior to the last couple of questions. Um, from a from a team perspective, mate, you've got a new coach, you've got a lot of new players gelling together. You've done pretty well, I reckon, in the way that you have started the season. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, three and one, you know, we've got a good record so far, but, um, you know, we just take it one day at a time, um, you know, try and get better each day. And then um, on game days, you know, just try and just try and win that game. We don't look forward to other games or, you know, worry about our um, our record moving forward. We just take it one day at a time. But so far we've done great, you know. Um, it isn't, like you said, it's a new coach, it's a new group. Um, you know, we're somewhere up there in the top one or two in the table. So, um, yeah, we'll just keep growing, keep getting better. Um, and by the end of it, you know, if, if we keep doing that, we should be right there to, to fight for a championship. Corey, thank you very much for your time, mate, and all the best for the weekend in Tassie. No worries. Thanks for having me. Good on you. Corey Webster from our Perth Wildcats joining us here on Sports Day. Oh, it sounds like a measured bloke, and, and it's an interesting player's mindset like that. Very, you've got to move on very quickly. Right? Mm. They lose on the weekend, but there's no use stewing over it. What, what, what can you do? You can only get better, so it sounds like he's in the right mindset. And we will clear a break. On the other side, uh, we will come back and have a chat to Trent Cooper, who uh, didn't have a great weekend either uh, down there at Freo. I will get behind our Perth Wildcats this season. Head to ticketdeck.com.au now. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia EV6 and Sportage. Cars of the Year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day. And it wasn't a great weekend down at Fremantle Oval for our Fremantle Dockers AFLW team. But uh, their coach continually fronts up with us here on Sports Day. Uh, The Dockers, in the end, going down by 29 points, but uh, weren't able to kick a goal. Uh, Coops, how are you feeling, mate? Welcome to Sports Day. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, they were really disappointed uh, with the performance yesterday and not so much the effort, but the performance to not be able to hit the scoreboard. Uh, and I was really disappointed for both our players whose effort was really good for three quarters and our supporters who did turn up uh, in good numbers yesterday. It, it was that second quarter, wasn't it, Coops? I mean, I, I really was watching and calling the game and I felt like you matched Collingwood for most of the game and, and around that pressure, that ta- tackling element... They used the ball better than you, but it was really just a, a one quarter that let you down, wasn't it? Yeah, no doubt. That that second quarter, I said with the playing group after the game, it was that was our worst quarter for the year. And we've we've had quarters where sides might have kicked four goals against us as well, but that that quarter was was really poor. Um, and the rest of the game, there were actually some really good patches, um, but they obviously weren't transferring to the scoreboard. We we had twenty inside fifties in the second half, which is the most we've had uh, this year in a half of footy. And um, yeah, we just didn't enter the way we wanted to or planned to. Um, and that comes about 
I think from the scoreboard pressure um, and the, the perceived pressure, and then everyone just sort of bombing it in to just to get it down there. But that was definitely not the method that we wanted to or was ever going to be effective against such a good defence as Collingwood. I know that you won't want to lay blame to it or, or talk about it too much, but you, you did have 20 available players on the weekend and you need to field 21. So, I mean, that's not a overall positive way to go into a game in the first place, I wouldn't have thought. No, and Collingwood had their uh, their absolute full list to choose from. So that that doesn't help, um, definitely. But when you review a game like we've just had, we think we had the players out there to yeah to, to hit the scoreboard and to perform better. So obviously, yeah, where we are on the ladder is a is a reflection of a lot to do with our injuries. But we've sort of been building and playing some good footy, um, but offensively on the weekend that definitely wasn't the case. What did you say at three-quarter time? What did your address sound like? You haven't scored. Yeah, it was it, it was quite... At halftime, it wasn't positive at all. So we went back to doing a few... Uh, well, we'd had two inside 50s up to halftime. So there was a, we weren't doing too much right at all, uh, particularly in that second quarter. So we addressed a few things that we needed to do to get ourselves back in the game, just have some contest and... Our third quarter was actually very good. We won the inside 50s 12 to 7, and we gave ourselves some good chances, but our entries were poor. So at three-quarter time, the message was to continue on with most of what we'd been doing, but try to show some composure when we were under pressure. And we started the last quarter really well. We had um, yeah three shots on goals very early, and it just felt like we just had one of those to go through, and we could have easily you know, kicked. We wouldn't have won the game, but we could have kicked you know, two or three goals with the breeze in that last quarter. But that wasn't to be. And then the players, um, yeah, become more desperate uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, that's what happens in that situation. Yeah, from a coaching point of view, Trent, um, how do you coach that inside 50 entry composure stuff? Because you're right, you were lacking an extra connector. And then deep entries. You had a lot of shallow entries, which enabled the Collingwood defence, who's a very good one, to, to take those intercept marks and then trans, transition on you, you know, pretty easily, a lot, you know, a lot more easily than it would have been if there were some deeper entries. How do you coach it? Now, the two things, that the, the plan going in was that when we were forced to, to hack kick, to not kick in the line of the ball, in the line of the goals, because Livingston just sets up there every time. Um, and uh, you're listening back to your commentary, it felt like we were actually trying to pick her out, didn't it, with our, with our entries <laughs> when we were just kicking that exact one. So that was disappointing. The other thing that I think we, we really need to work on is some offensive hand passing to get ourselves into better positions and facing towards the goals to be able to choose better options. So just looking back at the tape, there was quite a few chances where we could have just gone with one more hand pass to someone who would have been in some space and then they could have chosen a better option. Then, that, then it's up to them to execute the skill. But this week, we'll definitely work on uh, yeah, trying to get a few handball chains offensively going so that we can uh, have better and deeper inside 50 entries. I mean, ideally, I wasn't too critical. I, I, I really, I thought it was quite a positive game for the group, given you know who you know the cattle that you had out there, um, you know some selection stuff that you couldn't control. I, I really did think it was quite positive. It, it just was lacking the polish that I think you probably get with some of your best players back out in the park. Yeah, no doubt. At half time, I, I must have been. I was really concerned that it could have spun out of control. Um, which the group hasn't done all year, but the second quarter, because the effort was lacking and there was 
no support. There was, a, there was an instance where early runners was fighting against five Collingwood players, and I thought, yeah, this is really could get really ugly. But to the group's credit, as they've done all year, they they fought it out really well. So um, it was as positive as you could be the second half and not not scoring a goal. Um, but the, the group sputtered up each week and kept trying to improve it at training. Again, we've got things to improve on this week, and I'm sure they'll embrace that and hopefully take it into the game against Sydney this weekend. Now, you're talking about Sydney, and you're scheduled to play them at Henson Park. Now, I'm sure you've seen the news today in Marrickville and Sydney's inner west. Uh, apparently, the away team on the weekend has got one small room where you must get uh, warmed up in and you change in, and then you complete your post-match recovery, including your ice baths in tubs. There's two toilets provided for the entire team. That's all club stuff, includes you, males, uh, with uh, everyone queuing up before the game to use them on the weekend. There was no sink in the toilet area with one sink pres- present in the change rooms, two showers with plastic shower curtains, apparently not happy with the quality. No, it didn't sound good. It sounded like the old Pex to Noble days out of Guildford, <laughs> where, we, where we played. Um, no, I've spoken to spoken to the AFL and, um, yeah, the situation, it's not ideal at the moment there, but they, it's an oval that they're putting a lot of resources and money into. So we just have to be a bit patient. We have to plan for it so we know what the situation's going to be. We're... Uh, we'll sort of play. Get there's there's portable toilets available for the men, so the male staff will just they stay out of the rooms while the, the girls get changed. Then we'll come in for that that part when they're there. But we can you know, use the ablutions outside. That'll be fine. And then post game, we're going straight back to the hotel. We won't shower there. We'll, we'll recover uh, back at the hotel. So um, yeah, we're, we're prepared. Uh, it'll be fine. Um, yeah, won't be any excuses for the performance this weekend. We just want to play footy and uh, yeah, get a W next to our name. Good on you, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Take care. No worries. Thanks, boys. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.